The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Kind of a startling thing to hear from the Psalms, Psalm 116, that when God's saints die, it is a precious thing to him. But it really makes sense because they're his saints. They don't belong to anyone else. They don't belong to the devil or this world, but they belong to him. They're his whom he has called and chosen and washed and given new life, just as he did for Anna this morning, just as he did for Viola her whole life long. It's a beautiful thing, as a matter of fact, to reflect, to see these two things side by side. God giving faith, starting a new life in one so little. And also thinking today about God's faithfulness in keeping one so long, preserving Viola her whole life long until at last God brought her home. This life is full of danger. There's this great hymn that we sing, I walk in danger all the way. But the danger is not really death. In fact, death for a Christian is no danger at all. It's but a slumber. The danger comes from the devil and the world and our own sinful nature, which try to deceive us and mislead us so that we begin to doubt God's love, so that we begin to fear death, so that we begin to wonder whether he's going to keep the promises that he made now and from the beginning of time and before the foundation of the world, the promises to love us and keep us. This world is dangerous. It's like a minefield. I was doing a little research. I was trying to figure out just how a soldier would navigate a minefield in war. I searched Google for how do you navigate a minefield, and it turns out most of the answers have to do nothing with real minefields at all. It has to do with navigating difficult relationships or other troubling situations. But I found, I found a search result. Somebody who said, here's how, if you're a soldier in a dangerous place and there's a minefield in front of you, here's how you navigate that minefield. Walk behind somebody else. <laughs> He was serious, too. He wasn't joking. Walk behind someone else. So 
someone else who is an engineer, someone else who has skills and instinct. In fact, he said, somebody who is loved by Jesus, walk behind someone else. And he said it again. The same thing holds for you and me. In this minefield, in this dangerous life, walk behind someone else. Stay in his footprints. That's how you stay safe. And of course, the one who guides us and who leads us in this life is none other than the very Son of God, Jesus himself, who has passed through every trial and temptation, who has dealt with every sorrow and misery and grief, every bit of potential despair he has faced head on, and he has shown us. He has shown us how to confront the danger and how to prevail. He has shown us what faith in God looks like, believing God's promises and not doubting his love. There really are two ways that you can encounter danger in a minefield or in this life. One way is in uncertainty. So imagine you find yourself in the middle of a minefield, but you have no idea that there are mines all around you. There's a lot of danger, but you don't even know it, which is how it goes for many people in our world. They don't know the danger. Again, it's not the danger of death. It's not the danger of trouble. It's not the danger of sorrow or grief, but it's the danger of sin which leads to despair. It's the devil who lays those minds, trying to ensnare anyone that he can. He's our chief enemy in this life who wants to rob us of life wants to bring us with him to everlasting torment. If you don't know that there's danger, of course you're going to be reckless. You're just going to wander about. Who knows which step will be your last? Who knows which sin, which temptation will be the one that hardens your heart even more? This is why it's no wonder when the world gets itself into such trouble, when people are ensnared by such obvious things, the kind of base, trivial sins that you all know so well, breaking the commandments, lying, cheating, stealing, gossiping. Why do people get ensnared in these things? Because they don't know that those are minds waiting to explode. They don't know that behind all of those sins lies a bad conscience, guilt, and fear of punishment. It's the reason why people fill their days and fill their eyes and ears with garbage, with filth, letting the world put in their minds and in their hearts whatever they want. It's because they don't know that those things are their end, that their destruction, that the devil is prowling around trying to make sin seem delightful. But once you have fallen into it, he changes his tune. He then holds it before your eyes and says, look at what you've done. Look at what you're going to pay for. There's no God in heaven or on earth that is gracious enough to cover what you've done. Look at you. You're scum of the earth. That's what the devil says. That's the danger of those mines. We invest in treasures that moth and rust destroy, that thieves can break in and steal, and then the devil takes them away from us. And he takes away our hope as well. That's the danger of walking in a minefield when you don't know that the mines are there, or when you don't know where the mines are. This is why Christians have to invest themselves in God's Word, so that you know what is pleasing to God, so that you know what is dangerous and false and deceptive, so that you can recognize the devil when he appears. After all, as St. Paul tells us, the devil sometimes even appears as an angel of light. How will you recognize him? How will you recognize him if you don't have God's Word telling you where those minds are, showing you what sin is, warning you against temptation, and calling you back 
to follow your Savior, to follow the one who walks before you. There is, of course, another way to walk through a minefield, which doesn't make the mines any less dangerous. They're all about you, and they could be triggered at any time, but it is a way that is certain, where the danger is known, and the path to safety is clear. The way forward is when you have someone to follow. Jesus, who has shown you, beyond a shadow of doubt, that the devil is real. Don't believe the lies of the world. The devil and his demons are real, and they're seeking to devour you. Don't believe their lies. The wages of sin is death. No sin is trivial. No sin is just a small thing. Every sin warrants hell eternally. Every sin disappoints gravely your heavenly Father who created you and loves you and wants you not to die but to live. That hymn that we sing, I walk in danger all the way, it goes like this. The foe with hidden snares may seize me unawares if I should fail to watch and pray. Watch and pray and learn today from the example of Jesus. After all, in our gospel lesson today, when the devil confronts Jesus, you really see the devil at his best. He's not bringing his B game to Jesus. Here's his chief enemy. If he can get Jesus, he's won the battle. And so he brings his best. And what Jesus shows you in every one of these temptations, Jesus shows you how you can conquer the devil by faith, by trusting in God, by believing not a liar, but the one who tells you the truth, believing not the one who hates you and wants to destroy you, but the one who loves you and wants to save you. You can defeat the devil by faith. We have faith which is fed by the word of God. Take a look at the the temptations that Jesus faces. The first one is to turn a stone into bread. The temptation there is not just about filling his belly, not just about satisfying those hunger pains, but it is about giving up on God, believing that God does not love him. It's a temptation to despair, to think that 40 days in the wilderness with no food is too long. No one can survive, that God must have abandoned him. The temptation to despair is all around you. It confronts you every time. You run into trouble. Maybe this is too much. Maybe I can't bear it. Maybe God is letting me go. Maybe he won't save me after all. Look at what Jesus does. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Whatever bread you could put in front of him does not compare, doesn't hold a candle to the surpassing worth of knowing his heavenly Father and even more being known by him. You are known By your heavenly Father, he sees you in every trouble, whether it's hunger or thirst or sorrow or grief or pain or fear. He sees you and he knows you and he has not abandoned you. His love is the one thing that lasts forever. That bread that you fill your stomach with, it's going to go away. It's going to wear out. You're going to be hungry again. But God's love will never, will never leave you empty. Jesus shows you how to trust in God in the face of every bit of despair. Do not give up on God's love, for he has never once, nor ever will, give up on you. The next temptation is a temptation to presumption, to thinking, well, if God's really that loving, if he's really all that good, then I can do whatever I want. I can put him to the test. I can throw myself off this building. I can sin with license and abandon. I can do whatever I want because God loves me, right? And God forgives me, right? And he's going to take care of me, right? That's what the devil says To Jesus, aren't you the Son of God? See if your Father really loves you. This is the way of thinking of 
somebody who is a drunk and really, instead of getting over their drunkenness, wants just a cure for the hangover. Look, I don't really want to exchange the bottle for something else, but I just want to not feel the pain. I just want to not feel what I feel like in the morning. That's the one who presumes on God, who says, look, what I want from God is just not to feel my sins anymore. I don't want to be free of them. I don't want to actually live in his light and according to his love. I just want a band-aid. I just want something to take away my pain. That's not what God does for us. That's not what we should want from God. That's not what Jesus wanted from his Father. After all, his Father's love for him was not just a tool, not just a way to end his hunger or his pain, but it was a relationship. God's love for him is not something to be presumed upon, but embraced and returned and rejoiced in. Sin is not something which we begrudgingly give up, just hoping for the day when we can get back to it, but it is something that destroys, which we turn away from forever, because God has shown us. He has shown us a better way. Faith and love. Jesus puts the devil to to flight in this temptation. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't presume on his kindness. Take his love seriously. Take his words seriously. See that he wants to free you from sin and listen to him. Listen to him. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to the lies. The third temptation always strikes me as a really pitiful last-ditch effort of the devil. If Jesus hasn't succumbed to these first two temptations, there's no way now that he's going to bow down and worship the devil. Least of all, for all of the kingdoms of the world, this offer of instant gratification. You can have it all right now. You've heard that before. You can have it all right now. Your own flesh says that to you. Indulge right now. Right now is better than waiting What you can enjoy right now is better than anything God could promise you in the future, but it's all a lie. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve, because He's the only one worth worshiping. Listen to the Lord your God and hear His words, because He's the only one telling the truth. Trust in your Heavenly Father, because He's the only one who loves you. The devil, the devil certainly does not. He's been a liar from the beginning. And he hides his hatred for you, but you can see it. You've been given new eyes. New eyes to see how much better what God has in store for you is. See Jesus' example today. He shows you, he leads you through this minefield. And the way to follow him is by stepping in his footprints. The footprints of faith. Trusting in your Heavenly Father. It's an amazing thing. I can't get over it. That Jesus, Jesus shows us how to trust in God. You think it would just be he shows us a perfect life, but he shows us something better. He shows us how to trust in God. And even more, even more than that, he shows you how God is trustworthy. After all, it wasn't just defeating the devil in the wilderness, resisting him, his temptations. It wasn't just healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out the demons that Jesus did for this world, but he died on the cross to pay the price for every last one of your sins. For every time you've listened to the devil and believed his lies, for every time that you've transgressed, for every time that you've stepped out of his footprints, he died on the cross because of his great love for you. If that's not a good reason to trust in him, to believe in him, to believe in God, I don't know what would be. His love for you is beyond imagination. It's a marvel. You can spend your whole life long trying to appreciate it one day, One day you will. Now we see through a mirror dimly, one day. Look forward to that day when gloriously you see the expanse of God's love. It's unbelievable. This is everything that God gave to Anna this morning. 
It's no small thing. It seems trivial. Water and a few words. It seems trivial, but what he did for Anna was set her on this path and begin to lead her. Now that might seem tenuous, and parents rightly pray for their children, as you all should. For Anna, pray for her. She walks in danger all the way. But the danger is not uncertain. It's not going to get her, because her Savior is the one who is leading her and guiding her. Show Anna Jesus constantly. Keep Jesus before her eyes so that she never leaves his way, so that she follows in his footsteps, so that like Viola, one day at long last, she can see the fulfillment of everything that God promised to her. Listen to the last words, the last verse of that hymn, I walk in danger all the way. My walk is heavenward all the way. Await my soul tomorrow. When God's good healing shall allay all suffering, sin, and sorrow, then worldly pomp be gone. To heaven I now press on. For all the world I would not stay. My walk is heavenward all the way. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.